The Soccer Gambling Podcast is presented by Wimbet. Wimbet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, Wimbet has what you need to win. Sign up today, bet $100, and get a $100 free bet at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. Saka. Saka left on his backside. The officials deciding that that was no foul. Giroud in the middle. It's the only French player in the middle at the moment. And Mbappe's ghosted into the box. Germany with the shot. Brilliant strike. Brilliant Germany for France. We've been talking about Mbappe and Dembele. We didn't expect a strike like this. We haven't seen this in the tournament. Low into the corner. Oh, lovely turn by Kane. Can he finish? Lloris has done well. Henderson's clip. Bellingham climbing. Griezmann clearing. France escaping. But England most definitely threatening. It's given away by Theo Hernandez. And Harry Kane has gone down. And the referee... Wilson Sampao says play on. Walker to Rice. Harry Kane. He does hit it. And it's a very good save. Well, he got some real movement and power behind that, Harry Kane. It's a corner kick towards Maguire, just taken away at the last moment. And hit by Bellingham. Lloris got hands to it. Fabulous strike by Bellingham. Foden's delivery. Lloris came searching for it and is exceptionally fortunate. Rabio's the man in front. Hernandez doubling up. He's found Bellingham. Saka. Penalty. England penalty. Had to be. Mind games between the two Tottenham colleagues. But Kane scores for England. spot. He's missed it. Oh my. 
Harry Kane has missed from the penalty spot. One way or another, any way at all, it doesn't matter. This must go in. Oh, goodness me. It was a brilliant free kick. It could hardly have been closer. England's World Cup is over. And England's leader and saviour on so many occasions, Harry Kane, deserves so much better. And the World Cup holders progress. You are listening to your World Cup semi-finals preview here on the Soccer Gambling Podcast. You can follow the Soccer Gambling Podcast on Twitter at SGP Soccer. That's at SGP Soccer. You can follow the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. They are at the SGP Network. That's at the SGP Network. And finally, you can follow my Twitter account. I am at LockBetting.com. That's at LockBetting.com. The pin tweet on that account is the PL for LockBetting.com's last month, which was the month of November, the 114th month in a row of Transparent Track Profit. Check out the website for all the other previous PLs to do your due diligence before you sign up to the service. So, before we begin our semi finals preview, let's have a look back at these quarter final matches because they were without a doubt the four best collective quarterfinals that I think we've ever had at any World Cup in history. I would put these four quarterfinals collectively up against any four other quarterfinals in the history of the World Cup. And I think these four would be the best. If we start chronologically, we start with a game which saw Brazil, the favourites, exit the competition on penalties at the hands of Croatia after a 1-1 draw, 0-0 in extra time, 1-1 after extra time. This was the story of Brazil's tournament. I thought Brazil were massively disappointing. Uh, I never liked Brazil as a short favourite to win this tournament. I never picked them. I never considered picking them. I always faded Brazil throughout. I knew they had a deep squad, but I never felt like they had the team to win this tournament. I felt like other teams had a better eleven. And then when they played their games, they were massively disappointing. And this was the story of their tournament. Aside from what they did in a round of 16 against Korea, when Korea did set up mistakenly man for man against them and Brazil ripped them apart, Brazil were faced with defensive low blocks in every game, something I predicted at the start of the tournament. And I did feel that Brazil would eventually break these teams down, but I didn't think that they were impressive at all in breaking them down. They were very, very slow, very, very laboured, very, very patient could be a a complimentary word to describe it because eventually they did get the breakthrough in all of those games, apart from the one against Cameroon where they put out the B team. But in those opening two games, they did get over the line against Serbia. They did get over the line against Switzerland. But we're talking about a 2-0 win. We're talking about a 1-0 win. We're not looking at a team that were massively impressive. Yet the bookies kept shortening them and shortening them and shortening them. This was largely down to the fact that Argentina, who were the second favourites for the tournament, started with a defeat against Saudi Arabia. 
We knew that other teams had a tougher path through to a potential World Cup semi-final, whereas Brazil, they own yet to get past the winner of Japan and uh, Croatia. Whilst beating South Korea themselves, those wins would have got them through to a World Cup semi-final where they would have either played most likely Argentina or Holland. So that's not the most difficult path, which was largely responsible for their shortening. But here, they played the same way. They were slow. They were patient. They were never willing to take the game by the throat. They never got themselves out of... um, second or third gear and that was ultimately their downfall once they did get ahead against Croatia in extra time they were then unable to sit on that lead and then that's what can happen if you don't take the game by the throat and you don't kill it anything can happen and a deflected shot ended up going into the back of the net past Allison. they ended up losing the penalty shootout Neymar was primarily focused on again by the by the TV cameras crying but ultimately I can make the same point that I've made over and over and over again about these penalty shootouts. If you are a massive name like Ronaldo, if you are a massive name like Neymar, if you are one of these massive names in world football, like Kylian Mbappe as well, he did this before and he ended up actually taking his penalty and missing. But my point is, if you are one of these huge names... You don't need any more glory. You don't need any more gratification. Why do you put yourself at the back of the order in a penalty shootout where there is a possibility that you, as the best player and the best penalty taker, might not ever get to take a fucking penalty? It doesn't make any sense. We saw Lionel Messi stepping up first for Argentina. He scored his. We saw Luka Modric here going in a key position of third. This was probably done to take the pressure of the younger players going in the middle of the order. So instead of going first, Modric went third, which guarantees him uh, he will take a penalty kick anyway. But Neymar, he goes fifth because he's a fucking child who wants to take the winning penalty. And in the end, his team go out of the competition and he is the best penalty taker, doesn't even take a penalty. And ultimately, that's what he deserves. So you can put the cameras on him. You can show him crying. People can sympathise with him. Um, He did act a little bit differently to Cristiano Ronaldo. Cristiano Ronaldo stormed off the pitch crying. Didn't give any um, well dones to the Morocco players or anything like that. In fact, Neymar even hugged uh, Perisic's son. When Perisic's son was shown on camera walking up to Neymar, security guard tried to usher him away and Neymar hugged him. That's great. That's, that's, That's great stuff. That's what you want to see from your sports people. But at the end of the day, the guy's a fucking idiot because... If you take your penalty first, then Brazil don't miss the first penalty and the whole penalty shootout is in a different position because Brazil are ultimately in front throughout and it puts more pressure on Croatia. But in the end, Croatia ended up going through. Croatia have got a very good penalty record. I wouldn't want to play them in shootouts and it will be interesting to see what happens if Croatia managed to take Argentina to a penalty shootout uh, in this semi-final that we're going to talk about shortly before we get there. Let's talk about the the other semi-final, uh, the other quarter-final here, which has led to Croatia playing Argentina, and that was Argentina against Holland. Um, I just couldn't do this one justice by just talking about it, so I am going to drop a little audio clip in now. Um, this, for me, was the best quarter-final of the round. It had absolutely everything, including shithousery. So have a listen to this, and we'll discuss it after. Sets it off for the pot. Well, nice interplay. It's Messi who gets it and just rolls it in the path of the ball. He can't really get enough on it. They're closing him down quickly. Messi. Let me drop of the shoulders. Half a yard of space. Back it goes to the Valena. 
has scored it, but I'll tell you what, Lionel Messi made it. And Noel Molina gets his first goal for his country. A moment of Messi magic once more. Look at his change of pace when he gets the ball here. And how has he seen that pass? Molina, great run that it is. Gets to it, threads it through the eye of a needle. And look at this, look at this for a pass. Look, he's not even looking. And he takes it really well from his left foot, puts it in the path of his right and slots it home. Alvarez. Messi back to goal. Wriggles and shoots. Had no right to control it from that position and get a shot away. Messi can find an inch of exposed goal. Lionel Messi! Oh, goodness me! So close, it rippled the net. Back stanchion. Wonderful effort. Oh, brilliant. Oh, he's brought down. Penalty kick has to be. Has to be. Yeah, there's the contact. Dumfries. There can be no argument. This to send them a giant step towards the last four of Qatar 2022. It's his tournament. Is it written in the stars? England will hope not. But this little man is irresistible. Look at this for a pen. Wow. He whips it across him. So assured. What a good ball in. And a very, very good header. And the Dutch are back in it. There goes off the bench. Last ever World Cup goal. It's a decent run to the near post. And he whips it into the corner. Really good, good header there. With real power. Here's Gakpo. High into the box. Hit down by De Jong. Oh, to scream of a white. It's an absolute belter. Berghaus with the setup to him. He's rifled it into the side netting from where we were. I thought it was in the back of the net. Cody Gakpo on one side of it. Will it be he who takes it? Will it be Kopman as it's played into the wall? Delicately, they did it! of this free kick and the imagination I mean look at this he just rolls it into the front centre forward he gets a touch Baghurst and he sweeps it in with his left foot I mean nobody's expecting this ingenuity two big men at the far post Baghurst coming in Martinez actually watched it go over and just too much on it Di Maria Fernandez putting it across off. Brilliantly deflected wide from Lautaro Martinez's effort. And it goes, is this the moment they win it? Fernandez is deflected. Big, big deflection off Veghorst. That would have been a, another subplot to the great drama having scored two if he deflected it into his own net. Seconds remain in extra time in the quarterfinal. Di Maria with it towards the near post. Not pocket a hand on it. Who's going in, I think. He's done amazingly well there, the keeper. One minute of stoppage time at the end of extra time. Martinez! Oh, it's at the bottom of the post! They thought they'd won it. Well, there's only the woodwork there that's denied him. Those penalties normally so very, very crucial. Brilliant save! He's good at this. 
and he gave Argentina an immediate advantage and tickles it home quality and his substitute for that desperate, desperate pressure on this man he's going to thump it I think oh it's saved again, that's astonishing that's an amazing piece of goalkeeping he's milking it for every moment he can Wow, wonderful save. There's plenty of power in that again. And Enzo Fernandez. This to do it. Stuttering run up in the end. It's wide. This still has to go in. Luke de Jong to keep the Netherlands in it. It's all tied up. All credit to him there. He was under tremendous pressure. He scores it. Argentina are there in the last four. And he scores it. And Lucero erupts. And Argentina are in the semi-finals of Qatar 2022. You can't really sense the shithousery there from the clip. Obviously, you can grasp the drama. If you didn't watch that game, what were you doing? Why are you listening to a soccer betting podcast? If you're not watching games like that, it was an absolute roller coaster. And yeah, the shithousery occurred when uh, Paredes, when Argentina were tuning up in injury time, kicked the ball into the dugout. That caused a scuffle between the players. There should have been a lot more cards. Van Dyke literally sent somebody flying about six or seven feet across the air. Then fast forward to the penalty shootout where we had some gamesmanship from the Dutch players who were trying to distract the Argentine players from taking their penalties, walking down the halfway line with them, talking shit to them. Obviously, social media did what social media does, which has only told half the story. The big image being shared around is the Argentina players mocking the Dutch players after they win. The Dutch players obviously sitting in the halfway line having just lost and the Argentina players are are making mocking symbols towards them. Obviously, that's the picture that they run with and everybody's talking about how they would like to see Argentina lose their next match and how, oh, we're all Croatia now, we're all Morocco now. But at the end of the day, it was the Dutch players that were playing games. It was Lou van Gaal that was playing games in the lead up to the match saying that um, he wanted a penalty shootout because he knew that they could win it and... um, yeah, then Lionel Messi, he lost the plot going up to Louis van Gaal. Then he attacked Louis van Gaal in the press conference saying that he claims to be a football man and he was the one playing long balls into the box. I mean, his team are 2-0 down in a World Cup quarterfinal. What do you expect him to do? He has to do something. The game plan that he set out to do hasn't worked. And they're now in a situation where they need goals and that did work for them. So you can't really criticise it. What you can criticise is why Holland took that approach that has been something that's been criticised by the Dutch media. They obviously took the um, took the mindset of if they win the World Cup doing this, they won't care. But ultimately, if they go out, there will be an inquiry. But you can't really have an inquiry about the tactics of a 71-year-old who's won it all, who's leaving at the end of the tournament anyway. And now um, Holland will have Ronald Koeman come in and take over as the new manager. Lots of managers going after this World Cup. We've seen uh, Brazilian manager Titi lose his job. We've seen Ronald Koeman now. Ronald Koeman's now coming in to be the Dutch manager. That was obviously decided at the start of the tournament. We still don't know what's going on with Gareth Southgate. But um, as we fast forward to Saturday, that was the day that England did get knocked out by France. Before that, we had Portugal exiting the tournament to Morocco. Now, usually... 
the Portugal manager leaving, Santos leaving, and Cristiano Ronaldo playing his final game ever at a World Cup and leaving the pitch crying in tears would be the main headline for the quarterfinals. But really, it's not. When you're looking at Argentina going through and, and playing that game against Holland and all the drama we had, and when you're looking at um, the favourites, Brazil, exiting via a penalty shootout and Croatia going through, when you're looking at the fact that Croatia could play France again in a World Cup final for the second time in a row, or the possibility of Messi lifting this World Cup, or Messi coming up against his PSG teammate, Kylian Mbappe in a final, or the Morocco story that Morocco are the first ever African team to get through to the semi-final. It almost eclipses the fact that we saw that image of Cristiano Ronaldo leaving the pitch in tears or that Portugal players were infuriated and in all of their interviews complained about the referee and the fact that an Argentine referee was given the game because in fact you're not supposed to actually be refereeing if your team is still in the tournament. So the conspiracy theory is by Portugal that Argentina's referee wanted them out of the tournament and that FIFA essentially want Messi and Argentina to win it. And they even made comments like, just give them the trophy now and things of that nature. So very, 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 very sore losers in this game. Uh, Their main campaign was valid, that they did not get the full eight minutes of injury time because there should have been more. And even during the injury time, there were stoppages. But ultimately, they... They played the wrong tactics. The manager made a mistake. They were just coming off a 6-1 win against Switzerland. And okay, you go 1-0 down against Morocco against the run of play. But you were the team that were well on top in that first half. Morocco scored against the run of play. But Morocco were going to go back to having another 45 minutes doing what they do, which is putting men behind the ball. Were they going to survive that for another 45 minutes? In my opinion, no. They succeeded for the first 45 minutes, but they already made changes from the team that beat Spain. Saiz was injured. And essentially, the signs were there of the team getting tired from the fact that they paid 120 minutes against Spain. Had Portugal continued on, with the side that played the first half, who were a lot quicker and showed a lot of decent movement against the Swiss, I feel that they would have got the breakthrough and would have gone on to win in extra time. Instead, we saw Cristiano Ronaldo introduced five minutes into the second half. The game then instantly becomes very, very different way too early on. Instead of testing the fatigue of the Moroccan players, instead of moving the ball around them and trying to create space and get in get in behind a team who have just played 120 minutes, it becomes about Ronaldo. It became about getting balls into the box. Morocco just said, thank you very much. This is what we love. We're a deep-sitting team. We've got some big players. We scored a goal off a cross. Um, we've been very, very good at set pieces in this tournament. Thank you very much for playing into our hands, giving us our bread and butter, and we'll deal with all of these balls into the box until the final whistle. And that's exactly what they did, other than one cross that got across the box. Ronaldo let it fall to Pepe. Had that been Cristiano Ronaldo of a couple of years ago, he would have attacked that ball himself. There's absolutely no way he'd have let that get to Pepe. And uh, Pepe ended up heading it wide from about three yards out. And Morocco rode their luck and managed to get through. I do not think that this team can get through another round in this tournament. We'll talk about that when we preview the game between Morocco and France. The last game of the day, we already played the audio clip at the top of the show, was France versus England. A sad, sad exit for England, primarily because, look, 
I expected us to exit the tournament via a penalty shootout or some kind of BS because that's what happens with England. What I did not expect to happen was that we would go toe-to-toe with the world champions and for large periods of the game, we would dominate it. We've come out of that game with the statistics favouring us, higher expected goals, more corners, more possession, more shots at goal, more shots on target. And at the end of the day, England are out of the World Cup. We've even missed a penalty with Harry Kane, one of the most reliable penalty takers in world football, who would have got the English goal-scoring record by scoring that kick. Not, don't think he was thinking about that at the time, but by scoring that kick, he ends up blasting it over the bar. The reason I think he missed is because the first kick was scored against his own Tottenham teammate, Hugo Lloris. There's nobody in the history of the planet that's faced more penalty kicks from Harry Kane than Lloris because obviously that's the goalkeeper he practices them against and um, he was just thinking about doing something different here and decided that the safest thing to do would be to blast the ball and unfortunately that ball is still in space and hasn't hit the ground yet since he kicked it. So that's why England are out. Um, It's unfortunate. We played very, very well. It's much harder to take. Sometimes it's easier if your team just end up getting beaten 3 or 4 nil, and they're out of the tournament like what happened to South Korea against Brazil. But we've not seen a lot of that in this World Cup. In fact, every single team that exited at this quarterfinal stage can feel hard done by. And that's why it's such a great round. Brazil lost on penalties. That's never a nice way to go out. Holland lost on penalties. And, and they can blame themselves because as soon as they got back into the game, Argentina were there for the taking at the start of extra time. And Holland once again went back into their conservative, let's not get beat approach. Brazil didn't get themselves out of second gear for that entire game. They can blame themselves. When you look at what Portugal did, Portugal, they made changes far too quick. The manager's gone, so he is the scapegoat for that. But bringing on Cristiano Ronaldo and, and hoofing balls into the box after 50 minutes isn't the way to go, especially when you just scored six goals past the Swiss. The Swiss are a very good defence. They're a team that held Brazil to one goal and that goal came on, that goal came late in the game through Casemiro and it was a really good goal. Scoring six goals past the Swiss isn't something that you want to abandon. What you did to do that isn't something you want to abandon after 50 minutes. That was a mistake. And as for England, leaving a tournament not via penalty shootouts or via extra time or by any kind of madness, but by outplaying France for large periods of the game and still going out and missing a penalty through through Harry Kane, that is a um, that is a very, very hard way to go. So all of these teams can feel hard, dying, hard done by, but ultimately we are now down to our final four with Argentina facing Croatia on Tuesday and France facing Morocco on Wednesday. Before I move on to breaking down these semi-finals, Let me take a second out to tell you guys about WinBet. If you're ready to win money and boost your odds, WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. We're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. Exclusive awards are right at your fingertips with Win Rewards on WinBet. Great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. WinBet has what you need to win. So if you're ready to play, sign up today to receive a special offer. Bet $100 and get a $100 free bet. There's so much to choose from. All you need to do is head over to sportsgamblingpockets.com slash winbet so they know we sent you. That's sportsgamblingpockets.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T to claim your free bet today. 
The offer subjects can change. Terms and conditions available at winbet.com. You must be 21 or older and present in the state where play free winbet is available. If you want someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. We're back with Underdog Fantasy. And if you haven't signed up already, you can still get a 100% deposit match up to $100 when you use the promo code SGPN. Just go to underdogfantasy.com and use the promo code SGPN for a 100% deposit match. Underdog is great for their weekly Battle Royale format, as well as getting an early start with their playoff best ball. So once again, go to underdogfantasy.com and use that promo code SGPN. So moving on to breaking down these two semi-finals, beginning with the first one on Tuesday, where Argentina will face Croatia. Argentina are the 10 or 11 favourites. It's 23 to 10 on the draw. And it's 4-1 to one here on Croatia. It's worth noting that when this semi-final was first determined, Argentina were shorter than this. They were available at 4-5 to five on the money line. They're now available at 10-11. to 11. So there has been a little bit of movement. The same can be said for the qualification market, where Argentina were at 4-11. to 11. They are now 1-2, to two, minus 200, with Croatia available here at the price of seven to four. So what I think is going to happen here, could we possibly get the rematch from the last World Cup between Croatia and France? Well, I think that's a lot more likely than us seeing Argentina versus Morocco or Morocco versus Croatia. I think the one danger to the final that I think everybody wants, unless you're from Morocco, unless you're from Croatia, unless you're somebody that is very invested in a particular underdog story. I think the neutral wants to see Argentina versus France. I think we want to see Messi versus Mbappe. And I think a lot of neutrals want to see Messi getting his hands on the trophy, unless you're Brazilians or you're avid fans of Cristiano Ronaldo. And I think for some people, even if they were, They've been very turned off by what Ronaldo has done recently. I was more a Ronaldo guy than a Messi guy, obviously, because a lot of his history is at Man United. But I've been massively turned off by what he's done. And I've got nothing against Messi. And if this makes Messi the the GOAT and he goes on to win this World Cup, then so be it. As long as it's a World Cup where he contributes. He was given the player of the tournament in 2014 for leading his team to the final. But... I don't think he really led his team to the final, but his contribution this time round has been absolutely massive. And if they win the World Cup, he'll deserve to win the Golden Ball if he ends up getting it, along with getting his hands on the trophy. But they face a tough task here against a team who are very, very difficult to break, to beat. That has been their identity here so far in this tournament. They haven't lost the game. It's been a case of, if we can't win, let's not lose. In their opening game, where they played against Morocco. They were, of course, the better team, but they didn't push the boat out to try and win that game. They they ended up settling for a nil-nil draw. There was no danger of any goal being scored in the late stages of that game. And then they moved on to their game against Canada. That was really their best performance. They took Canada to pieces. 
Canada tried to match Croatia. They actually went ahead in that game, but Croatia made a comeback. And in the end, they picked Canada off as they were chasing the game. And the final game against Belgium, that was a game where Croatia could have gone out of the tournament. Belgium were better than Croatia in the second half. The first half was possibly the worst half of football in the entire tournament. But the second half, Belgium made changes and they decided to attack the game. And Romelu Lukaku missed four of the worst chances of the year, or if not in history, definitely of this World Cup. And I'm not talking about, you know, just normal chances. I'm talking about four clear-cut, absolute sitters that Lukaku missed. And that's largely why Croatia are here. Because if Lukaku scores one of those goals, Croatia go out, and we're not talking about them potentially getting to a World Cup final. So that was the game where they looked the most vulnerable. They came through that, They were also 1-0 down against Japan. They came through that. They got the equaliser. They came through extra time. They managed to weather Japan's extra energy that Japan seemed to have in all of their games and win via a penalty shootout. And against Brazil, they managed to somewhat neutralise everything that Brazil do. Now, Brazil, through some brilliance, did get the breakthrough in extra time, but Croatia didn't give up. They managed to get back into the game, albeit via deflection, They then went on to win the penalty shootout. But one consistent thing throughout for Croatia has been the luck. They've had a lot of luck to get here. They were not particularly great in their first game. Their best performance came against Canada. But the way that they were able to make that a wider score was by Canada overcommitting to get the equaliser in that game. They were then very poor against Belgium. They were clinging on. If Lukaku had better finishing ability, they would have gone out. So they were very, very lucky that he missed four open goals in that game. They then came up against Japan. They were 1-0 down in that game. They managed to come back into it. And then they won a penalty shootout. And against Brazil, Brazil were definitely the better team. But Croatia, again, came through via penalty. So we're looking at a team here that have been the worst team in three of their five matches, in my opinion. That doesn't bode well going into a semi-final. So either you're going to be incredibly lucky and continue to be incredibly lucky or your luck is going to run out. It doesn't bode well for if they do manage to get past this Argentina team. I could see a very comprehensive victory in the final against France if it is France who get there. We'll talk more. We'll talk more about that in a minute. For me, I think this is Argentina's final. I think Argentina will get there. I think Croatia's run luck will run out. But ultimately, it's going to be difficult as it's been for everybody that's come up against Croatia so far. Argentina are going to have to deal with a goalkeeper that's in good form, that's feeling very, very confident after what he did in the penalty shootout against Brazil and the saves he made during the game. They're going to come up here against a back line who sit deep in a defensive low block and have only conceded three goals so far in this competition, only two of them in the 90-minute period. So technically, you would argue that they even kept a clean sheet against Brazil as well, showing how difficult they are to break down. And They're going to come up against a midfield here who dominate the ball. So for large periods of the game, Argentina won't have the ball. Croatia will have more possession. And it's important for Argentina to win that midfield battle in order to get the ball to Messi because you need to involve Messi here to win the game. So what you might see is Messi dropping out of the attacking third and coming into the middle of the pitch to get on the ball a little bit more, much like Luka Modric does for Croatia, but he's actually a midfield player. Messi may need to take that role and become a provider from a deeper position in order to get involved in the game. So I think that somewhat neutralises 
versus Messi anyway, but Messi would be more neutralised if he was just standing in an attacking position and the midfield were losing the possession battle and weren't getting any of the ball anyway. So we may see a different kind of performance here from Messi. It'd be interesting to see if they continue on with Alvarez or whether Lautaro Martinez gets a start because he's an attacker who will just stay up there and he's in more of an outlet. He can chase balls. He's better on the break if Argentina do allow Croatia to have more of the ball. You need more of an counter-attacking option. And Lataro Martinez provides you that a little bit more than Julian Alvarez. But we'll see. I thought Martinez did well when he came on in extra time. He's not really had a great tournament, but he scored the winning penalty. He hit the post late on against Holland. So perhaps he may come back into the lineup for this one as tactically Based on how they think the game will play out, it may be a good move as well. Croatia are unbeaten in the last 11 games across all competitions. And that run now includes two Nations League games against France, Denmark and their penalty success over Brazil in the previous round. Argentina have shown some defensive frailties here in Qatar. And they did concede those goals against Saudi Arabia, one against Australia and two late on against the Netherlands. So Croatia will definitely be taking some hope from that. This is a team who have conceded more goals than them. So I think they'll look to just stay in the game. They'll look for a chance where they can score from a set piece or a counter-attack or a moment of creative brilliance from the likes of Luka Modric that creates something for the attacking players. Perhaps Perisic comes up again and scores another header like he did against Japan. They have dangerous players in this team. What they need to do is keep it tight at the back and that's something that they've done successfully so far throughout this tournament. I ultimately don't see three goals being scored here in this game. So my main play here would be on under two and a half goals. You will have to lay some juice here at four to six minus 150. But after having such phenomenal games to watch in the quarterfinals, I do think we go back to the tight and cagey approach that we often see here for knockout football. These teams are just one game away from a World Cup final. I don't think anyone's taking any risks. I think we're going to see some conservative football here from both teams. I think they're going to rely on their big game, uh, big name players to win it. When you're looking at the likes of Perisic and Modric and Martinez and Alvarez and, of course, Messi, I think these are the type of players they'll be looking for to win the game. Obviously, both teams will be dangerous from set pieces as well and things like that. But I don't think we're going to see three goals in this game here. I think we're going to see Croatia continuing to sit back, keeping it tight, trying to dominate the ball, relying on their midfield to and to win the midfield battle. And I see this playing out very much the same way as the Brazil game, which was pretty much a non-event for the first 90 minutes. If you had the under there, I think about 20 minutes into the game, you weren't worrying about it. And I think we could see something similar here for this game. As for who goes through... I think Croatia have rode their luck quite a lot so far in this tournament. I fancy Argentina if it comes to a penalty shootout. And I fancy Argentina to create that moment of magic in the extra time period. Brazil managed to score against Croatia in the extra time. And uh, I believe if Argentina score in the extra time, they will be able to shut up shop. They'll probably learn from what, what happened against the Dutch because that really wasn't good enough if you want to win the World Cup. Or Argentina could just get the goal across the 90-minute period. We've seen Croatia concede against Canada. Croatia should have conceded against Belgium. We've seen Japan score against them. We saw Neymar break through once Brazil went up the gears because they were trying to avoid penalties. So perhaps Argentina can get that goal. And if it's not an early goal, I think your under is relatively safe here. So your main play here will be on 
under two and a half goals at 46 minus 150 with um, Argentina ultimately getting through some way here um, in a low scoring cagey game. Up next, we move on to Wednesday's semi-final where we see France going up against Morocco. France are the 47 favourites. It's 11 to 4 on the draw and it's 7 to 1 here on Morocco. This is another line that's dropped. Not, not as much, but it has dropped. Uh, France originally opened up at 1 to 2, minus 200. France, though, in this one are the clear favourites to qualify. They're available at 1 to 4 with Morocco at 10 to 3. So... I think this will be different to the other game, where the other game, I think there is a chance of an upset. I think Croatia are quite dangerous. I think here, Morocco's race is run. Now, that's a very dangerous thing to say, because I was super high on Portugal beating this Morocco team. This Morocco team had 120 minutes in their legs after the game against Spain. As I pointed out, that wasn't a standard 120 minutes. That was 120 minutes where Spain had 77% of the ball. So all they were doing was running around and running around and running around and chasing shadows and defending, trying to stay in the game. But yet somehow they were able to take the players out who were tired and injured, bring in some other players, and they did exactly the same thing. Do I completely disagree with some of the tactics that Portugal implemented in that game? Yes, I think Portugal should have continued on. The goal that Morocco scored was against the runner play. But once they scored it, they were able to hold on. So that's to their credit. But here against France, I don't think they're going to be able to keep a clean sheet. We saw how dangerous France were against England. England were the better team. England dominated large periods of that game. But when France had chances, they took them. And it wasn't just clean Mbappe. France showed what I said they would show when I was previewing the game. If you primarily focus on Kylian Mbappe, they have other players that can hurt you. Griezmann, Giroud, even Tushimeni, who got on the score sheet for the opener. This is a dangerous team. And I just don't think Morocco have a third performance in them where they're relying on neutralizing the team and not breaking down their defensive low block this France team they will break you down and once Morocco concede the first goal they'll be chasing a game and I do believe France will be able to score more I think that's the big thing here in this tournament if you look at the way Morocco have got here they've not faced adversity once in terms of being down have they faced difficult opponents have they been an underdog absolutely they faced wave after wave after wave of attack against them but They've gone on to take the lead in all of the games that they've gone on to win. They've never had to come back from behind. They've never faced the adversity of having to change their game plan. Their defensive game plan to sitting in a defensive low block and stop the other team from scoring whilst trying to knit the game via a set piece or a counter attack or, um, or a mistake. That's worked for them. Their plan A has worked for them in every single game. They haven't had to go to plan B. But against France, there's a very good chance that they could go a goal down for the first time in this tournament. If Morocco score, then they're just going to go back to the same game plan. And I think for you guys, that's a very, very good in-play betting opportunity. Something that I think that you guys should be looking for. Something you guys should even be hoping for. So if you're not going to take my original play on this game, then the in-play opportunity on France coming back from behind will be there for you. And I think France to qualify, if they go a goal down, will be a good bet because I think the the pattern of play that Morocco are relying on, which is them getting a goal and then sitting back in and hoping that they can defend like they've done successfully against so many teams in this tournament, won't work when you're looking at what France have on the pitch. So I'm going to take France here to qualify. I think we're going to see another low-scoring game. I'm a little bit worried about taking under two and a half goals in this one, simply because if Morocco concede a goal, I do believe that they'll end up having to chase the game and 
do something they haven't done so far in this tournament. And depending on when they concede the goal, that could be very, very dangerous to your under. I think a safer way to play this game would be to take France to win on the money line and to tack on under four and a half goals. I think no matter what happens here, even if France score in the first five minutes of the game, I don't think we're seeing five goals in this game. And I think that's a very, very safe play. If you like France on the money line, take France and the under four and a half goals, which is available for you here at the price of three to four. I think that's a safe way to bet it. I just don't see Morocco pushing France the way that they pushed Spain and and Portugal. I think ultimately this France team, unlike those other two, will get the breakthrough. They will get the opening goal in this game. And that's going to make it very, very difficult for Morocco. But as I said, if Morocco get the goal that opens up this game, that's the first goal in this game, I wouldn't worry about it. I would simply be looking at that as an in-play betting opportunity. Perhaps you're not going to cash the play on France and under four and a half goals because perhaps France can only force an equaliser in a 90-minute period. But in the 120-minute period, in that 30 minutes of extra time that you're going to get, I do believe France will be able to score a winner. This team have played a lot of football and they've played a lot of football not having the ball. That is the most tiring thing. If I go back to what Pep Guardiola always says to his players and the Pep Guardiola way of playing, the ball moves faster than the man. That's why he likes to keep it moving. That's why it's confusing to me why he makes some of the signings that he makes, such as someone like Jack Grealish, who doesn't really fit in with what Pep Guardiola wants to do unless he wants to change how Jack Grealish plays. So far, we've seen how that's worked. It hasn't worked at all. So um, that's what Guardiola likes to do. And he does it because that's the way that you maintain possession of the ball and your players don't get tired your opponents get tired your parents your opponents get worn down and I expect this worn down Morocco team not to have much left here for France as I think France are eschewing to make it through to another World Cup final where hopefully their opponents will be Argentina that's the final I want to see not just not just because I'm holding a futures ticket on Argentina that I put down at the start of the tournament but also because I think that's the final that all the neutrals want to see. It's the best final possible. It's the best final for the tournament. Obviously, that's going to lead to a lot of speculation. There's there's England complaining about the way the referee, referee handled things against France. The Portuguese are complaining that they got an Argentine referee. But my argument is ultimately that Holland got 10 and a half minutes of injury time to score their goal against Argentina. If you desperately want Argentina there... You don't make that 10 minutes, you make that eight minutes and you blow it bang on eight minutes. So I don't think those complaints hold any water. And even if they do, listen, when you're sitting there on Sunday night, do you want to see France and Croatia again? The same final that you saw four years ago. Morocco's a great story, but do you want to see Morocco-Croatia? Do you want to see uh, Morocco versus Argentina? Or do you want to see Argentina versus France? Do you want to see Kylian Mbappe versus Messi? Do you want to see Messi solidify himself as the GOAT and end that debate of Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo? Because that's what it will do. That's what will happen here if the, if Messi does go on to lift the trophy. If you're looking at the futures odds at the moment... The bookies do not favour that to happen. France are the clear favourites to win the World Cup in the futures market. France are available at even money now, with Argentina available at 13 to 8, Croatia at 7 to 1, and Morocco as the 10 to 1 outsiders. So France are the strong favourites to, to win the World Cup. Obviously, they are the stronger favourites to advance to the World Cup final, so that helps. 
But let's hope for the Argentina and France final that a majority of people want to see. That's it for me. Good luck of all of your bets as always. And thanks for listening.